Jesus Christ 
be Savior. And, and so the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is infinitely important to our faith and our understanding. Say amen. You guys agree with that? Yeah, I know you're not excited about, about agreement, but let's do a little bit more enthusiastic, right? We're talking about Jesus here, okay? And I'm saying he's great. seen my face in the flesh. 
that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full, full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and the Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Paul gives us some understanding about a great battle First of all, if you look with me in verse 1, I want you to see that there's a need for exposing the, the conflict. In other words, we have to come to terms and come to grips with the fact that, hey, we're, we're in this fight. And there's no way around it, and we have to engage. And then Paul says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. Paul said, listen, hear me now, that we're in a straight war. That I'm, I'm, I'm fighting on your behalf. And it's not a small battle or it's not a small thing, but even in the Apostle Paul's day, it was a great conflict. I, I want to uh, ask you to think with me just a minute. If it was great in Paul's day, how much greater is it in our day today? That, that conflict, that battle for the truth. And, and so Paul reminded them of that. One of the things that we have to do is that if we're going to engage in it, we have to acknowledge the conflict, don't we? It's about acknowledging the fact that we're in war. If we, if we don't, if we stick our head in the sand, and if we kind of disengage and not be acknowledging the conflict, then how are we going to engage in that battle? How, how, how are we going to do what we need to do to hold on to the truth? You know, we're really good at, as people at ignoring things, aren't we? We can ignore some problems uh, so much so that they become a crisis, right? You ever get that? Well, you ever put something off and put something off and put it off until now all of a sudden it's not just a problem, but it's a crisis. It, it's something. And, you know, and I think maybe the church has done that when it comes to the battle for truth. Is that we've tried to hide from it or we've tried to ignore it or not engage in it. And what happens or not acknowledge it is that, uh, that it gets even worse. You see, we have to realize that this is about me. This conflict is about my family, about my wife, about my children, about my grandchildren. This battle that we're going through is about us as a church. It's about Garrison Baptist Church. It's about where we stand and how we stand and how we fight. And until we acknowledge that, we've got to make it personal in our lives so, so that we'll have the passion that we need go out and engage in that conflict. So there's this need for acknowledging the conflict. Paul says, I want you to know. In other words, I want you to acknowledge 
that this thing's going on. We can't hide from him any longer. Uh, another thing that he, he said about exposing the conflict is not only acknowledging it, we have to say, hey, I, I know it's there. I know I'm a part of it. I know it's a personal thing. But also we have to do some assessing of the conflict, right? There's that need for assessing the conflict. In other words, how how, how big is it? How difficult is it? How, uh, how, how about a term of that? And you see, Paul saw it. He saw it in a universal nature. He saw the big picture of the conflict that was going on. Listen to what he says in verse 1. He says, uh, For I want you to know that uh, what a great conflict I have for you. And those in Laodicea, and as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So, so Paul is realizing the scope uh, of this thing. And he says, here that I, I'm writing not just to you, but to your neighbors and then to anyone else that hadn't seen it. You know who that would be? That would be pretty much everybody else, wouldn't it? I mean, they'd either seen Paul or they hadn't seen him, and the greater part of the world hadn't seen him. And so he, he, he sees the largeness of this conflict, that it's not just local, but it's really kind of universal in its nature. And so he understood that every believer would be faced with an attack on their faith. No exclusions, no exemptions. But every believer is attacked on their faith. Or not. I realize that, that I'm not, I'm not exempt from that very thing. And so he was reminding us, listen, here's what we're in here. And he exposed the conflict. Now, uh, he moves on and he's talking about the conflict. Not only does he expose that very conflict, but also he talks about engaging in the conflict. You know, if we know it's there, then what do we do as believers? What if we understand that, hey, this thing's going on and it involves me, and it's, it involves me personally, and, and, and it's, it's universal in its nature, then, then what do I do about that very thing? I mean, where do I fit in and how do I engage and, and, and how do I get involved? Well, one of the about in engaging in this conflict is that he gives us a warning of deception. In other words, he says, you're, you're going to confront this uh, battle with the truth, and, and a part of the strategy of the enemy is going to be to deceive In other words, our enemy is going to want to minimize the attack that's being made on the truth. That, oh, you know, it's not, oh, no, it's really not what we mean when we say that Jesus is God. Oh, that's not really what we mean when we say that there's, you know, there's many ways to heaven, right? Other than Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so the enemy wants to deceive even the church, even God's people, into believing something that, that isn't right about God's truth. And, and so there's this sense of deception. And so Paul begins to warn about deception. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look at verse 4, look at what he says. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Mm -hmm. Paul says, I'm telling you this so that you'll be alert and so you won't be deceived. I, I'm giving you a heads up that here's the strategy of the enemy. It's, it's deception. And, and, it, and it happens and you need to be aware of it. And so Paul talks about uh, that, that very thing and and uh, he begins this warning about deception. Now listen, here's some of the things that uh, if we're going to be inoculated for deception,
that he gives some things that we need to really build on. You, you know, if, if we go into the Bible, what do we want to do? I mean, the soldiers, they, what do they do? They go through basic training. They get education. They get physical, right? Uh, and they get physically strong, and, and they prepare for it. And, and, you know, I had a nephew who went in the Marines, and he was a little bit overweight. And when he came out, I didn't realize who he was. Uh, I mean, they got him in the best shape of his life. And, and, and so if you and I are going to go into battle, then there's some things we need to strengthen about ourselves. Now listen to some of those things that Paul talks about. And he says in verse 2 that our hearts may be encouraged. In other words, here's one of the areas that we need to be strengthened in. And so it was Paul's desire, if they're going to go into a conflict, that, that we, we need to do some things in, in their hearts. One of the things is our hearts need to be encouraged. Now, the idea of this very thing, the word encourage, especially means to call to one side and to encourage. And, and so what, what Paul is getting at here is that we need to come along beside each other as the body of Christ and encourage each other in this battle. Uh, you know, a, a picture of that very thing is, is that when you see a coach and a player. Have you ever seen a coach and a player in with each other? Uh, I mean, I don't know about screaming part. You know, when the coach comes along, he coaches that, that player. And they're, they're, they're getting alongside and they're encouraging them to, you know, hey, you got to do this and think about that. And, and, you know, when you get back out there, you need to change this and change that. And so, so that coach is encouraging that player. You see, our coaching is saying, Lord Jesus Christ. And what we need to do is we need to be coached up. We, we, we need some instruction. We need to, uh, to, to bring it out our ears. And we need to be listening to that so that we can be encouraged and strengthened. So this fight's going to be intense. It is intense. And so without that encouragement, then we're not going to be able to stand very long in the fight. Another thing that he mentions here also is not, not only being, uh, having our hearts to encourage together, but also he said being knit together in love. Now listen, here's a reference to unity. Uh, unity that flows from being reconciled to Jesus Christ. In other words, you and I are knit together in, in the bond of Christ's salvation. That there's something binding in our relationship because we're brothers and sisters in Christ that's never changed. And that happened because in Christ we're reconciled to him together with him and because of that with each other. So one of the things that we really need to strengthen our, our, our thinking about and, and our reality is about that, hey, we're in this together. In other words, if, if you're casually in, in this conflict, and I, I'm a casually along with you. If, if you're hurting because of the conflict, then I'm hurting alongside you. I'm with you. If, if, if our, our church is weaker because uh, some of us are, are, are casualties in the conflict, then we're all weaker. And we need to strengthen each other because we have that bond together. In other words, we're, we're, in, we're inseparable lot together. And because of that, it ought to challenge our, our thinking about how we respond to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so Paul says, there's a place where we've got to get stronger. If we don't get stronger in that strategy, then we're going to be casualties of war. Another place that he talks about, he says, the assurance of understanding. And then he mentions knowledge in, uh, in, in verse uh, 2. Uh, that, that has to do with 
we step out into the conflict, then we're not going to be immediately a casual. And so he reminds us and he gives us his warning. Why is that? Because there's deception out there. You see, being proficient in the Word of God helps us to fight off that deception. In other words, if we know the truth, what does Jesus say? If you're my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will be true. And so if we know that freedom of the truth of God, then we're going to be able to stand against the deception and the schemes, the Bible says, of the devil, right? And, and so uh, all these things that we want to grow in so that we can combat that deception. So he says, hey, here's the warning. Here's what you need to do because of the deception. Now, if you look a little bit further, what is being deceived? I mean, what does that look like, right? I mean, that's my question. I want to know, you know, how, how, what form does that come in? And what does that look like? Well, Paul gives some things. If you look at verse 5, he says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your, first of all, here's, here's, a, here's what deceptions have. He says, Good order. Good order. Now, what does that mean? You know, why does Satan want to attack good order? Well, here, good order means arranging, arranging under authority. You know what he's saying? He's saying the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Satan's attacking the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I mean, he's challenging in our lives the place that Jesus Christ should hold. Right? His, his authority, good order in our lives. Jesus is the head. We're the body of Christ. Jesus is Lord. And we're subject to the King. That's good order. What's Satan doing? What's the world and our culture doing? It's attacking good order. And I mean, how many times does Satan want to get you away from what, what you really know Jesus wants for your life? How many times does he want to put you in a place of fear so you'll be afraid of trusting? says in verse 5 also the steadfastness of your faith. That there's another place that he wants to attack, right? The, the firm hope on faith. <laughs> you see, we, we as believers we should have a grip on our faith, right? A firm hope on what we know that, that is the truth of God. And you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to take that little finger and cry. Well, he wants to take that little finger and and, and he would love for you and I to lose grip on our faith. To, to not respond in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's the danger, and, and so deception is, is, is Satan, the, the culture we live in, this old man in us, losing a grip on our faith. Listen, we can't let go. Uh, and, 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 but yet Satan wants to do that. Another one, he says, look at verse 6, he says, and as you Therefore, have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. Here's another area that Satan wants to talk, uh, work in or, or affect us in. Uh, walking in him. Right? And we know that. Uh, walking is our conversation, our order of life. It, it's arranging our life according to God's will. That's 
if you're behind the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's got you in a place where he can do harm to you. But if we're walking in the Lord Jesus Christ, if our life is, 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 is being lived according to his will, then we're in a place where, in a sense, we're, we're untouchable in that sense. And, and so he reminds us of that, that, that there's a place in him to deceive us, to remove us from God's will. And he goes on in verse 7, he says, rooted and built up. It's here, it's the idea of having a good foundation and building on that good foundation. You know, what, what does Satan want, want to do? He wants to lie to us, doesn't he? He wants us to build on, on false assumptions and false truths and, and knowing that the whole time that we're building on that false foundation, that, that there's no steadiness and there's no longevity to that, it will fall and be destroyed. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 about the two men? Who built houses, one built his house on the sand, and one built his house on the rock. And we know the outcome that the one house fell, and great was its fall because of the foundation that it was built on. This guy, for whatever reason, was convinced that, hey, I'm building my house on the sand. It's easier to dig, isn't it? A foundation in the sand. You, you know, we don't have to work as hard as we do if we chisel out the rock. And so if we build that, we can build just as a nice a house on this foundation we can that. But the problem is when the storms come, it doesn't last forever. And so we Satan wants to deceive us in, in, in building a fall on a false foundation. He, he says in verse uh, verse 7, uh, Paul goes on and says, rooted and built up in him and established in faith. As you have been taught according, uh, abounding in the thanksgiving. He says that you've been taught. He's talking about teaching. Uh, teaching the fundamentals of the faith. Right? And if we are not learning the fundamentals of the faith, then we're going to be in trouble in the contrary. And then he, he finishes up in verse 7. He says, he, he mentions thanksgiving. <laughs> it's that thanksgiving is that attitude of gratitude, isn't it? If we don't have that, our, our gratefulness for our salvation. If, if we can't even be thankful to God for our salvation, then how easily are we going to be duped into falling faith? So Paul reminds us, here's what it looks like. Satan attacks those who have faith. How do you do that? What about the way of salvation? Vertical, right? I mean, horizontal, not vertical. 
that is not what the gods have ordained for us, but the ones around us are ordained for us. And, and you know, the book of Romans talks about that. It's that idea of the creature worshiping creation, isn't it? That's what happens when we start looking around for those answers uh, uh, around us and, and not above us in God. And so he talks about what? He talks about, you know, on verse 8, easy to see. Uh, easy to see is just knowledge with no substance. Empty, worthless. That's what that word means, empty. Knowledge, in other words, worthless. Uh, knowledge, knowledge with no substance. You know, uh, it's kind of like you're starving to death and somebody hands you a, 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 a pack of fried chicken. Right? And you just devour that and it doesn't do anything for And we uh, are in a world today where people are, are hungry. They're literally starving to death for meaningful things in life. And what do they do? They, they watch you. Or that uh, TikTok.
no value. And we have abortion. And, and we have mistreatment. And life is cheap and doesn't have much value at all in other ways as well.
Because what does the Bible say Satan wants to do? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And a big part of that is separating us from our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, listen, those are some big things in this calendar, don't they? And we have to realize those things as believers. Is that this is a huge conflict that we're in. And, and it's personal. In the sense that it 